is Stories for the Future, a podcast on a mission to get you excited and optimistic about a future full of fantastic opportunities. My name is Veslomoy Klavnes Berke, and I'm trying to figure out how we can all live good lives, have exciting jobs, and at the same time take good care of the planet and everyone living here. I want to unlock the superpowers of everyday people so that together we can co-create a future we're all excited about. So come join me on this journey. The future is up to us and I know that we can make it a good one. And we're back with another episode. This one has been sitting on my shelf since spring due to my longer than planned break that I talked about last in the last episode. But now I'm so happy to share it with you since it's also more relevant for the focus in my own business than ever before. So before I go on to introduce you to this week's guest, I will tell you about my latest endeavor in my own company. The newest pillar in my company I call Repurpose You. It is a program for professionals who feel stuck in their current job, but can't really figure out where to go, what to do, or who to ask for help. They are looking for a way to have more impact, feel more happy about going to work on Monday morning, and a way that they can use the skills and experiences they have gained through their careers up until now. So I'm basically speaking about the 2016 version of myself here. So if you feel called to explore this, and if it's something for you, just send me a message. You can find my contact details at bycause.co, that is B-Y-C-A-U-S-E dot co, on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram. I have a quite rare name, so you should find me easily. But now to today's guest. Her name is Holly Lichtenfeld. She's based in Florida, and we both attended a climate reality training back in 2019. So let me introduce her. Holly has worked on sustainability, the environment and climate change issues for more than 20 years. She has extensive expertise in strategy, business development and growth combined with a deep understanding of ESG and sustainability. Holly helps climate solutions companies grow and also works with organizations to measure their impact and accelerate their adoption of climate solutions. She has a very interesting career path, which you soon will hear more about. And if you're one of those people looking to change the direction of your career, I think you should listen closely. Pay attention to the way that Holly engaged in the area she was interested in. She joined networks, associations, and kept engaged even before she got a job in that industry. She told people around her what she was interested in, and that finally led her to a position. I think this is such a good strategy, because by showing interest and curiosity, people will want you to join in. So here you go. I hope you enjoy it. Here's my conversation with Holly Lichtenfeld. So welcome to Stories for the Future, Holly. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, I'm so happy to have you. And we 
We actually were, were both at the, the climate reality training in Atlanta back in 2019. I don't think we met there because there were quite a few other people there, like 2000 or something, <laughs> but, but we connected afterwards. And then uh, recently you, you commented on a post I had on LinkedIn re related to conscious quitting. Uh, where I talked about the fact that employees are leaving their companies due to a lack of alignment with their personal values uh, regarding society and the environment. And you were a conscious conscious quitter a long, long time ago. <laughs> so that was your, your comment. And I'm so interested in hearing about that because that must have been very different uh, back then. So could you just share that story and, and what led you to, to make a shift. Well, it's really cool to hear the term conscious quitting. When I did this many decades ago, there wasn't a term for it. And so that means more and more people are doing it. So that's really exciting. So I did it quite a few decades ago. I had graduated from university and my first job was in investment banking in Manhattan. And I actually arrived and enjoyed the work. I was in a analyst program. And pretty shortly after getting into it, I started to realize that, that I was starting to define for myself what purpose was and that I wanted purpose in my work and that I wasn't finding it there, even though I enjoyed like the challenges of the actual work that we were doing. So when you work in that, you don't have a lot of free time. <laughs> You're working, you leave your house at six and you get home at midnight. That's kind of the way that career is when you start it. So on the weekends, I would sneak off and do research, and I started to realize that I uh, was becoming passionate about renewable energy, um, energy independence, using clean energy, um, really looking at all the wars that were connected to, we have one going on right now, mm -hmm. um, energy. So what I decided to do was quit that job, even though it was a great job, and it paid really well. Um, I decided to quit that job and move from New York to California, where based on my research, I thought there might be the most jobs. But when I got there, I was so early on, renewable energy and solar and wind was not really an industry yet. Um, so what I did was I joined the Northern California Solar Energy Association, and there were some really brilliant people involved in it. Um, including scientists from the Union of Concerned Scientists and other people. Um, and I got a job in another industry. I actually worked at Levi Strauss. Um, but I kept myself engaged and I got on the board of that organization. And then a few years after working at Levi's, I kept this idea alive and I started to tell more people what I was interested in. And the industry started to bubble up a little bit. And I was able to get my next job was um, at a co-founding or not co-founding, actually being on the executive team of a uh, startup in this space, in, in solar energy. Okay, so w which uh, year are we in now then? This is the 1990s. 1990s. Okay, so what did people say when you made this shift? Was it like, what are you doing? Or did people understand your your choices? Um, I think that the people who... I hadn't been talking about my interest in this really broadly but the people who knew me when I first moved there were like oh you're finally getting to do what you you know had in your mind and your heart when you got here 
Mm. Um, I think other people just thought that it was kind of interesting and cool because I literally, it was classic uh, California startup. Like we started in the living room of Mm. the founder. It was me and him and a solar installer and a sales, someone who was going to do sales. And, you know, so it was like that part was very much understood in the Bay Area in San Francisco. You're starting something, you have a passion. Um, I don't think it was so much about renewable energy and climate and all of that tying in at that part, because at this point, it's about uh, 1999 or 2000. So it was still very early. Um, The industry didn't really take off for, you know, quite a bit after that. But I think people got it more so because of the startup culture there than, mm. than the going into climate and renewable energy specifically. But so was your entry into it because you were interested in renewable energy, would you say, rather than the the climate aspect and sustainability like it might have been today, perhaps? Yes. So I would say my foray into it was Uh, What I was driven by was energy independence, Mm. environmentalism, the idea that I didn't want to see the destruction that fossil fuel companies do to our environment and what pollution does. Um, Personally, even though the data has been out on climate science for a long time, for, you know, many, many decades since the 1940s and 50s, um, when when we're understanding now there was intelligence on that, I myself didn't get that big picture until I was working in it for a while. Yeah, exactly. So so how did you how did you learn everything that you needed to learn? Because I can imagine this being very different today than it was back then. Today everybody or everybody, I'm using air quotes, it can go online and do a online a degree almost. You can have do courses and learn everything almost. Uh, how did you pick up on things that you needed to know? Yeah, I think it's it was very much through, um, which I think some of this is still sort of the mosaic that people need to and should go through today. So yes, you can take a course and you can learn some of it, but you really, really understand things when you go in. There's so many vertical areas of expertise, even though you can study it, Then when you go into an actual role and job and you're seeing it in action, you really learn more. So um, I think it's great that, yeah, you can go for more formal education. But then for me, being around the people of the Northern California Solar Energy Association, being out on sites, um, a lot of what I've always liked to do is understand the technical part and then um, as a communicator, turn it into things that are more understandable. And that way Mm -hmm. I learned it along the way. I think that's still very relevant. And then very much on the job, because for example, my most recent role is, was doing greenhouse gas inventory work at a company that did that. And even though you can go and get training on that now, that is still very important to be in a job doing it, seeing actually how it plays out. A lot of people in that space really learn on the job. So I think that's still very common. Yes, I think you're right. Absolutely. Maybe you can just first take us through the rest of your journey, like to where you are today and the different uh, choices you made along the way, just briefly. I think that's really interesting. Absolutely. So in addition to the renewable energy company, which I worked at over the course of, worked with over the course of six years, 
After that, I met some folks and co-founded a a startup in um, the green chemistry space. So what we were doing is we were replacing toxic disinfectants with a nature, a wildcrafted nature-based solution. So it used thyme oil to uh, to disinfect, and it could be used everywhere from hospitals to homes. And the idea was to replace the chemicals that we are using that cause all sorts of issues in our waterways. So I kind of shifted from energy to that. It was a really exciting group of people that were starting that company. So I did that for a while, but then I wanted to get back to climate more directly, even though that helped nature and the environment and our health. Uh, and it was a great, great experience. And I love that. Then I wanted to switch back So then I started to work more with cities on how do they look at renewable energy, um, work with one city on um, whether they could take a landfill and install renewable energy. So I got back to that area. I started getting involved in greenhouse gas inventories since that then helps organizations, governments, companies to understand um, what they're doing there. And I was doing different consulting projects after co-founding Cleanwell, which was the green chemistry company. Um, in different areas, more of climate solutions and measuring greenhouse gases. And then I ended up joining one of the startups that I met through one of my clients. And then I was working, growing a company that was doing greenhouse gas inventory work and software. And, um, and now most recently, I switched back to consulting because I wanted to get involved in some other areas like um, the Inflation Reduction Act and how we're getting more homes here in the United States electrified and how we're getting renewables, you know, more widespread through that investment from that act. And I'm working with some startups that have really interesting things that are helping to um, make it more affordable for more lower income people to electrify where they live and get more access to this And also, so I'm now I'm taking all these years of what I've learned and I'm picking my spots where I feel like I can have the most impact and help to really push some things that have some wind in their back. Uh, So that's where I'm currently at. Yeah, you're such a good example of I recently read a book, which is called, oh, it's written by Jason Pfeiffer. I will find the name and put it in the links. But he talks about like people fearing change, you know, it's hard to do changes, but that you should just think of it as another next thing. Like your life consists of a lot of next things. And that is actually very exciting. So you have done a lot of that, like doing another shift and not being scared of that. So I I think that's very inspiring to hear about. Thank you. And I want to say it can be scary, right? Especially if you don't know, like when I I left this really well-paying job and I picked up without a job and moved to California. Um, But yes, the part that's exciting is um, I personally have so much curiosity I love learning new things. Mm. And if you look at it that way, there's so much interesting things and there's so many interesting people to meet. Mm. That really feeds me. And so, yeah, thank you for um, making that comment. I think that it can just be this ongoing, um, exciting thing, especially if you have the vision of the better world that we're building. Mm. 
and being a part of that and pushing to want to be, have your piece of being a part of that, I think is very compelling. Yes. And also like thinking, like you said, how can I all the time, like, how can I now use my skills in the best possible way? And maybe that changes a little bit down the line. So then you can do another adjustment. So yeah, I think that's a very good way of uh, putting a career together, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> Great. So, But you said something when we talked uh, earlier about, because you mentor uh, some people, right or people ask you what what mm -hmm. to think about when they want to make a, a shift in their career and you said something about what you think that they should think about and what kind of research they should do uh, beforehand so could you share a little bit about that and maybe you have some examples as well yes so i try to mentor as many people as i can fit in. So um, I have formal mentoring relationships, like I'm mentoring a young woman now who's in university and she's getting a career in geographic information systems. It's the mapping software mm. and environmental studies. Um, I have, uh, I go and speak at high schools to, you know, then I get to talk to a group at one time. And I also have mid, I'd say early, mid and late career individuals reaching out to me who want to make the transition. So I get to really see the whole swath across all different life stages. Um, one thing I think is really interesting is because this sector, which I'm so happy about, is changing so much from when I got into it to now, there are so many more opportunities, but they're also, uh, these jobs are being defined on a daily basis. It's not like we know what they are. It's not like I'm going to be a lawyer and there are these, you know, 40 different types of lawyers that you can be. And, you know, these jobs have been around for a while. They're literally getting defined by companies as they realize and nonprofits and governments as they realize the needs, as more funding comes available and they can actually fund positions. So what I see as a real big opportunity that doesn't exist is like, what are these jobs mm. and which aspects of them interest you? So one of the things I've done um, now, um, I had a, a woman that I work with who was in this situation where she wanted, she'd gotten, she'd gone back to school to your earlier point. She had gotten a master's in sustainability, but she didn't really know where she wanted to go. So we went through an exercise, which I think is a good one for everybody to sort of think if it would work for them, is we went out and grabbed all these different job descriptions in different aspects of sustainability. And then we sat and went over them together. She kind of described for me at the beginning what she thought she was interested in. And then I would say she probably brought to the first session 20 different job descriptions. And I'd say 12 of those, with me looking at them, I'm like, this one doesn't fit at all what you said you were interested in. Here's why, why, and why. And she's like, oh, mm. you're right. Yeah, I don't want to be doing that. And then we were able to whittle it down to the area that she was passionate about. And then I was able to introduce her to some people. It's just as information. And then at least what you walk away with is, this is the area I'm interested in, or these five areas. And then you can start to make sure that if you do take courses or you try to reach out and have informational interviews, you're sort of more focused than being all over the place. Because luckily, it's mm -hmm. actually starting to be a very horizontally broad um, sector. Yeah. So you got to really decide what you want to dive into. 
That's true, and that's that's a good thing. That is kind of it's it's getting really broad and and also quite complex. So it's it's not just saying that I want to move into sustainability anymore. It's it's quite a lot Absolutely. of different things. Yeah. So yeah, so that one woman ended up um, getting into circularity and mm. um, recycling at a manufacturing company. So that's a really interesting example of something that, you know, may not have been the thing that was on her radar at the beginning, but that is a, an area she's, she's excited to be heading into. Whereas somebody else I'm talking about, like I said, she's getting training in the mapping. And so I'm introducing her to someone who works at an environmental engineering company that has a GIS um, department. So she can start to understand, well, if I really lean into this, what is that going to mean? What does it mean to do that in a job? So that those are just two examples of two very different mm. types of expertise. And then there's a whole other area with a lot of data analysis. I have another student I'm working with whose expertise is more in programming and data analysis. So it's very broad reaching. Um I think this topic is so interesting because this is this this is kind of what I want to inspire people to do and also find a mentor like yourself to to help them make this uh, transition or pivot what what would you say when it comes to transferable skills let's say you're 40 or you're in the middle of your career and you have quite a lot of skills let's say you uh, come from the oil industry like i do did back then how do you how do you guide people in finding what kind of skills they can transfer to a new industry? So I think there's two parts of that. The first one is your skills may be totally directly transferable because if you you can work. So um, another example I give the high school students is one of the companies that I work with. Um, in the greenhouse gas inventory space, they're a high tech, they're a new tech company. They're creating like these little bots that deliver um, food to people's homes so that we don't, everyone doesn't have to drive cars, uses less fuel, all of that. So a company like that needs marketing, they need programmers, they need human resources. So they're in sort of the new economy, they're bringing a solution forward to try to reduce our use of cars um, and, our, and how we use roadways. But you can transfer all of your, you know, do you make videos? Are you a creative person who does communications? They need all those aspects. They need policy people to work with the government to make sure that when they're going into a market, this vehicle will be allowed on the road. So that your skills could be directly transferable. So instead of working at a company that is selling something that conflicts with your personal values and does isn't part of the transition, you can just take your skills and go work for a company that is in more alignment. So mm. that would be the first one. The second one is with oil and gas, um, very specifically, sometimes you can look at transferable skills like uh, geothermal is starting to get quite a bit of interest. And based on what I'm hearing, there's going to be more investment there. And man, that is a place where people in oil and gas could get excited and push their companies because we yeah. really want to change some of these um, companies that are not moving from within. Yeah. So that I think that's another really important thing to think about is people who are hearing this speak to them and work at whatever type of company that they feel is doing something that is out of alignment with that. 
is think about how you can say, we need to change. Here's how I can see it happening and I can be a part of that. Absolutely. So you don't necessarily need to leave your your employer. You can you can do a lot where you're already at, but depending on, of course, uh, the pushback you get. Sometimes it's the right way to leave as well, wouldn't you say? Yes. Yes. And I would say, I guess there's a third bucket where you really do have to look at, let's say there's something you're really interested in, you may have to go back and get retraining or additional Mm -hmm. education to make a shift. And I feel like that happens in so many industries. You hear people who were a doctor or uh, you know a lawyer for many years, and they decided then they wanted to do some other thing. You know, even people have put all of this time and energy into their education. They then decide to get educated in something else and do a zig. So that that can be something that that a, a path you take as well. Yes, and on that note, actually, uh, you said people have put so much effort and money, uh, perhaps, into their education. Is that one of the reasons why why people resist to quit or to change? Because talking about conscious quitting again, in my in the post that I wrote, I said that I feel there's. It's it's easy to talk about conscious quitting, but when it comes down to the the reality, there are so many things. Like I'm to be completely honest, I doubt I would have quit at that time back in 2016 if I hadn't lost my job. Because everything is like when when things are good or okay you tend to just keep going, Mm -hmm. you know, and you have the financial insecurity, you have all this fear of failing and all these uh, things. So I feel that they're often, we need a push or like um, losing your job, like I did, getting sick, getting a divorce or (laughs) moving or something like that, a big shift, seismic shift in order for us to change. So, So what do you... What do you think about that? And could could it be also that people are like, oh, I spent so much time getting this education. I can't just throw it out the window. (laughs) What do you think about that? Yeah, I think that everything you said is right on. And (laughs) I just think it's, it's, you know, it's, it's uh, fear. You, you, it's, it's scary to make a big shift in something like this, especially if you're somewhere that you're getting paid well, or you're happy enough with it. And, You've been there, you know how the place works, you know the industry. So I think your point about people getting um, laid off is a big one because a lot of people that are reaching out to me are part of the tech layoffs Mm. that have happened um, at large companies. And so it's one of those one door closes, another door opens kind of opportunities where both they are needing to find something else because they can't just hop necessarily to another of the same type of company or because those companies aren't hiring Um, or they've been sort of thinking about this, but they've been afraid to make the leap and now they're got pushed out the door Mm -hmm. so they can open up and walk in another. So I'm seeing a lot of that. And I think, again, that is very good because the more, you know, inspired, brilliant, passionate people we have moving over to work on this. And then the more people who make their livelihood in it, the more it's going to obviously move it forward. I think it's good for everybody. But I do think that there's probably, I'm sure there's going to be data on it. Like what percentage of people who move into this did it because of 
a layoff versus a conscious quitting, you know, yeah. it's probably going to be more of people who were really put in a position where they had to look for something. Yes, I, that that will be interesting numbers to, to see, I think. So, but uh, I have a final question for you, which is very much related to the future. And that is when you do talks, uh, like you said, you do a lot of talks to high schools and university students and and speaking to these young people and, and leaving one of your talks or one of your events what what kind of feeling do you live with is it optimism because they are eager and asking a lot of questions and and also understanding like their their part in the future or uh, do you miss more engagement what would you say so I'd say that I live very optimistic um the first one is I always say that if I can keep high school students, at least some of them engaged <laughs> and not like looking over, even if they don't have their phone thinking, oh, I wish I was on my phone. Like if I have some of them <laughs> engaged, then that means that this is going well. Right. So yeah. that's exciting. Um, and the last, uh, the most recent presentation I did, um, what was really great, it was to a group of students who actually, uh, this particular high school has what's um, called where, where I live. It's like a an academy or a magnet program where they actually are doing projects in sustainability. Mm -hmm. And so in addition to me telling them, you know, my presentation and opening their mind to all the different jobs and the categories of jobs that exist, we went around and had them tell me the projects that they're working on. And I was blown away by the diversity of the things they were working on, the enthusiasm, their, their way their eyes lit up when they were talking about it. Um, so they're not only thinking of doing this, they're actually actively looking for places in their life at their age that they could be doing these things. And I also think that with the, the young people who are engaged and the idea that it can be overwhelming and we have been hearing about some anxiety related to climate, you know, action and doing something is what alleviates that. And so hearing that also gives me optimism that this situation or how they're feeling is not going to paralyze them, that they're going to move into action by doing that, by they had to opt in to my talk. It wasn't that it was part of classwork. So yeah. they're showing up to hear from me because they want to. And one young woman walked me to my car afterwards and she had so many questions there. Her teacher said, you know, let she has to be, you know, I had to be guided out of the school. Um, and she was just so excited and she was like, I'm going to, and you know, we exchanged information and she wanted to know um, thoughts on university programs. And so just meeting these, these kids who are doing, who are thinking, who are excited about it, it makes me optimistic. Oh, that's so good to hear. I, I'm so happy that you said that. <laughs> so I think that's a, that's a very, very good uh, thing to end with. I think that you, you feel optimistic for the future. So, so yes. where, uh, if people want to get in touch with you, where's the easiest place to do that? Is it LinkedIn or any other place? Yeah, LinkedIn is great. Um, it's my, you know, my name is a little long, but, uh, but I think I might be the only Holly Lichtenfeld, so maybe it won't be hard to find me. No. And then same name, I also have a website. So if you wanted to, um, it's just hollylichtenfeld.com. But I'm very active on LinkedIn, so that's a great place. Yes. I'd love to connect with people there. You are. 
I will put the, the links in the show notes so people can find it. Thank you great. so much, uh, Holly. It's been great. Uh, and uh, good Same luck here. with all, everything that you're doing and uh, inspiring the young people and the not so young people and <laughs> everything. <laughs> so great. Thank you. Thank well, it's you. been great reuniting with you. So thanks for having me on. Oh, it's my pleasure. So that sums up what I had to share with you today. Thanks so much, Holly, for sharing her very inspiring career journey with us. And as mentioned, all the links are in the show notes. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And I also hope you will lend me your ear in two weeks time when I will be back with another interesting guest. Talk to you soon.